Headlines seize our attention, especially when they're about a crime. Ugly situation down in Atlantic City right now. Police there say they are making progress tonight in the investigation of the murders of four women. Right now, police are trying to find the identity of a headless, legless, armless body found in Westchester. Many young brown-haired women in Queens are worried about their safety because of the 44 caliber killer. But there's more to these stories than just their headlines. I'm Carrie Ipema. And I'm Quinlan Posner. And we're just two friends who love true crime. We are a relationship gone right, but we're going to talk to you a lot about relationships gone wrong. Every week we'll bring you a real crime that made the headlines. One you may have heard of before, or one you may have never imagined possible. But we'll take you beyond what you see on the front page. We'll follow the story as it happens in real time and use hindsight to pull apart fact from fiction. How was the story told then? And can we tell it better now? From bandit queens and vindictive lovers to neighborhood stalkers and the innocent people tied up in their webs of deceit. Their headlines reel us in, but their stories keep us wondering, what if it were me? From Lifetime comes a brand new weekly podcast, Crime of a Lifetime. New episodes every Tuesday, starting June 14th. Subscribe now and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Rom Criminals. Welcome to the show. This week's episode is a very special one. We have invited the truly darkly creepily gals to join us for a rom crime good time. Oh my gosh, you guys, we cannot wait for you to dive in with us. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. That I said clap instead of doing the action like, clap, of clap, that and that's on me. <laughs> Wait, what were we? Do- yeah, so you don't like LA? I, we we no, lived in LA. Listen, I lived I, in New York for 15 years. So <laughs> okay, wait, wait. What? Okay, so you feel like I've been to LA twice. The reason I'm not a fan, I can't go as far to say I don't like sure. it. That is too. Listen, I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody out right, there. Right, and what if you, know? you get like a big um, show and you're gonna have to live out here or something? Listen, I'd be happy to Keep move for work. Open. No, no problemo. I think my more my. Uh, I don't understand it as a city, yeah. and I think let it be a lesson. When we don't understand something, we typically might not like it, sure. and that is okay. And I need to reckon that that is my bias. <laughs> I just like. I like to live in a city where I don't need a car. Hundred percent. I, I don't understand. Like LA is a lot of feels like a lot of suburbs, yeah, yeah, which is really amazing. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago myself, but I grew up like close to Chicago, and New York is closer to Chicago totally. style, yeah, like the pizza. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> just kidding. The pizza just, specifically. The pizza. What I do love is a California <laughs> pizza kitchen. So if that's <laughs> California, I'm in, baby. Oh, I don't I'm like in. it. Yeah, but you no, don't? Oh my god, no. Uh, but you know what? That was a mall visit it, for me. It's like, uh, I am so, because I used to live, I mean, God, I lived in Brooklyn. I, lived, I, I just love New York pizza. I mean, that's one of the things that I miss the most. I mean, the, besides just the ease of so many things. But also, I had the last, I mean, I had my daughter, uh, I actually was working in a bar when my water broke. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah. Do you guys, have you guys ever been to Tom and Jerry's? It's on Elizabeth and Houston. I've, pro- I've actually, I think I have been there, but it's been like a couple of decades. <laughs> 
not to age myself, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, so we, I did that. I had her for three years and then I, honestly, I was like, oh my God. Wait, you had her for three I mean, years? Had, it took you three I, years yeah, to yeah, labor? I'm, like she was in like, I'm pretty amazing. Yeah, no. And she's, she I'm had a huge s- head. I'm in so, awe. But it took some time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was three years old before we, when we moved. Um, but I was ready for... It was just tough, and we didn't have family out here. I have family in Washington State, and you know how it is when you have kids. It's just tough. You got it is when it's you have no really support. Hard. It's like, you know. yeah, we're in we're in New York, but we're in um, a pretty cool, very family heavy uh, area that, and we have a yard, so we we do we are like doing the kid thing in New York, but we're doing it. Um, the easy way and the right yeah, yeah we're doing right. it the You're correct it the right version yeah. <laughs> we're doing the correct version it's a really it's super family heavy and this time of year i'm always like so happy that we're here because everyone does like the best halloween decorations and the houses are going all out and there's just that. a ton of kids and a kid parade in the neighborhood and i'm like yes it's my favorite that's amazing i'm so jealous too I, every time i talk to people who are on your guys' coast, they're like cozy sweaters. It's like a hundred degrees here. Yes, and, oh and weirdly humid. Seriously, like it's not usually humid, but now it's a hundred. Yeah. It's it's a hundred degrees there. Was, yeah, I don't think I'd. F- I don't think I'd function well mm. without seasons. I I think seasons like listen, we all talk about seasonal depression. I think everybody could use a little seasonal yeah. depression, frankly. That's true. It's like the it's a cycle of life, yeah. right? We it's, we die and then we re- resurrect yeah, every Yeah, sometimes year. you need a little Yeah, I think you know, your podcast is a great example. Sometimes you need joy, but sometimes yeah. you need a little darkness to balance it out. 100%. And then the joy feels stronger. Like I think that that is a that that to me is a year. Like I want to feel cozy in the winter. I want to feel like I've earned spring mm-hmm. and summer I, I want to feel like I miss fall by the time it's done. like I'm always looking forward to the next season mm-hmm. yeah like I'm looking forward to time changing I feel I I know someone who was from the Midwest who was living in LA and they were like I don't think I realized how a lack of seasons would affect me like you feel like time is just standing mm-hmm. still yeah and that to me scared me that was more than any <laughs> horror film <laughs> <laughs> but when you have kids, it's like right. Gives, the structure. It gives you those mm-hmm. cyclical moments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. I just told Carrie we were on the phone this morning, and I said I really feel like a parent, even more so for the first time, because I just got that envelope sent home. That's like the pictures, the school pictures, and Ooh. I got to pick the background, and I was like, <gasps> I'm a parent. Which one <laughs> is cheesiest? I can't wait. And my son was like crying because he was like, I want to pick. And I was like, you can't pick. It's $30. I get to pick. (laughs) I'm the parent. (laughs) The way Quinn described it to me is I chose the most 80s backdrop. It's hot pink. And it is like splatter pink. I I just, I, I I've already reserved a spot on my refrigerator for a picture of Koa. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'll send you one. I will send you one. As Quinn said, it's $30 and you get all this crap. I got plenty. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of it. (laughs) I can't wait for the eight by 10. I can't wait for the eight by 10 that you're going to litter I was going to give you the eight by 10 for your fridge. That I'm thrilled about. (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) Wait, can I get, and then I'm going to get it bigger. 
burger so it could just be my fridge. Like I'll go in oh to get food in Koa's face. Yeah, for I 50, you can get idea. it printed on a fridge. Uh, yeah. I thought about it, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the wrap. Like I actually think, could you like upgrade it also to your car? A car wrap. Oh like a car gosh. wrap. Oh my God, I'm sure that's possible. <laughs> Especially in LA. You could. You know, yes, yes. Get your Tesla. <laughs> oh con- con- wrap with, with a, a child. child. That's a sentence face. no one has said in a while. <laughs> it, I would say that's probably an oxymoron. <laughs> condom child, condom I ramp. I, I just isn't the condom to brain. prevent a child. I love it. We just yeah. entered the metaverse. That's so good. So wait, now what do we? What do we do? What do we do here? We're we're sharing the screen. We're sharing the time. And do we do we talk about you guys? Like you tell us your little where you guys are coming from. Yeah, sure. We'll tell you about that. Oh, we're, we're coming, coming to, to you live, live from, from Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Carrie and I um got got together a couple years ago. Ooh. It wasn't sexual, but it was instead to create a podcast, which I know you're well acquainted with here mm-hmm. at Rom Crime. Absolutely. Um, our the name of our podcast was Truly Darkly Creeply, and we did two stories a week that only had to fall under uh, that headline banner. So it was it was various, you might say, definitely true crime, definitely paranormal. Yeah. Um, and then something very strange happened to that podcast. I'll let Carrie tell you. Something very strange happened indeed, which was the spookiest thing of all. We got Ooh. an email Ooh. <laughs> um, from someone at Lifetime. They were starting a, um, a true crime podcast and they were looking for some two new co-hosts and they were like are you interested in applying and Quinn and I both said emphatically why yes yes yes, yes, we are interested and um one thing led to another and we are now the co-hosts of crime of a lifetime which is a new true crime podcast new-ish it's so good we've watched we've listened thank you good and so many stories i haven't heard of before which for avrin is big it's very it's very fun it's very exciting we have recorded now 20 episodes but i think like 11 are out right now so we are just like stacking that library ready to release some yeah yeah so you can find crime of a lifetime wherever you listen to podcasts and also we have our old library up of truly darkly creeply as well so if you're like wow i would love to hear more banter from these people that's where you'll find it at truly darkly creeply so we're having a really good time it's really fun well thank you so much for joining us we are freaking excited oh my gosh we're so stoked i also have to tell you i I love the idea of a rom crime because I actually am a parody writer in addition. And I actually just, well, I wrote a show a couple years ago and it's a long title, so bear with me. It's called um, Six Chick Flicks or A Legally Blonde Pretty Woman Dirty Danced on the Beaches while Writing a Notebook on the Titanic. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so, so it's actually all of those. And if you're in New York and you want to see it, I'll be at Soho Playhouse this fall. Shut I don't the have the dates, door. but please come. I'm coming. Oh my gosh, come. Give me the dates. I, I need a reason. I'll let you know. I literally need a it's reason. Annou- they're announcing next week. I don't even know the dates, but I, I tore that show on the fringe circuit. Um, yes. And so I love your I, I love like a rom crime with the crime. It's like truly the marriage yes. of my favorite things. I love a parody. Love Vanya and I often uh, will rewrite songs to try to like fit 
either crime oh. or I don't know. We did a lot yeah. of COVID parodies. COVID brought out a lot. We were like, I, I'll send you them. It, it was, I went back and looked and cringed a little, but it's still good. It's still fun. It's just, we were like, we were processing the COVID in our, our own twisted uh, musical artistic way. sadness. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I don't know if that's a prerequisite to crime, but Quinn and I set out to make a true crime comedy podcast and what we ended up making was a true crime musical comedy podcast because we just would so sing for no reason it's so strange Weirdly, lifetime isn't interested no. in the singing oh. aspect of our previous show see i do miss that i love the singing i i mean obviously love the shit out of you guys's old podcast but the new one it's good but you know what the, just lifetime let us be interested in it because we're hoping to fan, fans want slowly it. ease it in there yeah. you know, we're trying to sneak it in little by little and until it becomes I'm I'm severely tone deaf actually um I am and I no. but like I, I think I just hear myself through my new mom ears and I'm like good effort <laughs> effort it is the most important aspect for all yeah it's an a for know. effort for yeah. me and for attitude yeah um I went I went to school for musical theater and I would argue Quinn is leading the singing parade in Truly Darkly Creepily. Like I would argue that like my education, I threw it out the window and I said, who needs an education? So maybe, it's, it's, maybe it's actually it's really a for arrogance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it so much. So I have another podcast. It's called Mike and Vanya Can't Not. It's with my best friend who lives in New York City. Um, and he's a, we actually, he and I both worked on a podcast called Theater People like nine years ago. Um, our friend Patrick Hines now is like a everyone's aware m- of amazingly Patrick. famous mm-hmm. podcaster. Yes, I was like that sounds familiar. <gasps> what? Long story short, cut to Mike and I on our podcast now, and I'm always like singing because I'm actually you're I'm wonderful. Fine. I'm okay. You know, I didn't. I'm not a musical theater. <laughs> no, but I just don't give it. I will sing. I just you know, um, I'm like the little <laughs> kid who never shut the fuck up. Uh, you know what I mean? I think. I probably think that's actually all of us because we all went out and <laughs> sought a podcast. It was like, I love to talk. What should I do podcast. now? Podcast. I'll be like, sing, sing this from Into the Woods. And he was like, he'll be mad at me because he can't, he, I didn't give him time to prepare. So Mike, I'm sorry for that. I'm just, because I know you're listening. I'm really sorry I do that to you all the time. Because he has a beautiful voice and I'm like, just sing. Just, sing. just let it out. But like professionals are like, <sighs> I need to warm up. I need to warm up. up. I, you know, you got to get out of your own way, but I will say I did just see my my brag moment as I did just see Sarah Bareilles and in Into mm-hmm. the Woods on Broadway. Oh wow! Oh my god! It was she's incredible. Like I don't know I how her, her so voice much. does what it does, but it does it and it does it so well. And you can quote me on that. What role is she playing? She oh, played the baker's the wife. The best role. <laughs> and like if you. It just came out, and here we are, not sponsored, but I do think it's important to note, it just came out, the original cast recording, and listen to her voice. She's so amazing. <sighs> She's so stupid good. Ugh. I'm so That's excited I, it's out. I didn't know. Um, <laughs> you heard it here it was first. Available. Breaking news. Sarah Bareilles can sing, you guys. Breaking news here. <laughs> okay, so what we like to do at the beginning of our episodes is we sort of do a little round robin about, like, what's, what is your wrong... I guess I could have prepared you guys for this. Sorry. <laughs> um, what's... <laughs> What's your rom of the week? Do you have anything like romantic or love based? It, it, literally, it is. You could interpret that however. Mm-hmm. You could even talk about porn. I don't give a shit. Like oh, what, however you ter- interpret that. Mm-hmm, you're welcome. And then we talk about give ourselves. What's the crime of the week? And sometimes that's actually like a crime. And sometimes it's actually it's that you cut your own bangs and you made some serious errors. <laughs> that's what she did last <laughs> they week. They look great. <gasps> your bangs look great. I got them fixed. I actually had to go in and have my lady fix them up because I. I did a hack job. <laughs> Dang it. 
I cut bangs earlier too. I also was what going through something last year. It so I, I understand. I hear you. <laughs> I see you. Thank I recognize you. that exists. Yes. All right. Well, uh, you want me to start then with the ROM? Sure. Sorry, I'm getting text messages because it's my birthday today. I was going to, oh, you just stole my ROM. I was going to say my ROM is my birthday girl, Vanya, who I love so much. And it's her birthday. (gasps) And happy birthday, my love. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. What an honor to be here on your birthday. I brought you no cake. I brought you nothing. Me too. Thank you. I hate cake, so it's perfect. God. (laughs) Are you a pie person? Or are you mm-hmm. like a savory? Are you just like I want a I'm burger. like a savory, but give mm-hmm. me some ice cream. Like Ooh. I'll eat all of your okay. ice cream. Ice cream, like Love. pretty much. I'll How do you feel about ice cream cake or an ice box yeah. cake? I'm okay with We're that. Okay with that. Okay, noted. Noted. That was that's my rom. It's one of my favorite uh, persons, people's, ladies' birthdays today. Thank you. Happy birthday. I would say my rom and crime are mixed, and they come from the discussion you guys just had, which is that my Ooh. son's birthday is coming up. He's turning five, and I found out that the woman in the neighborhood who does the really cute cupcakes that can look like anything each cupcake is 450 what so i had this whole thing where i <laughs> i didn't look into that and i told him i was like we're gonna do a theme what's the theme and he's like dinosaur so i want dinosaur cupcakes and i was like definitely and then i like figured out the price and was like okay now i have to make dinosaur cupcakes <laughs> it's romantic and a crime <laughs> i have a hack for you mm-hmm. tell me the hack so you know what you do? Okay. The, well, listen, I, I am also frugal. Uh, and uh, so you make the cupcakes or buy, I don't know, however you want to get those cupcakes. Go buy those tiny little plastic, uh, you know, unless, and like put them on top. Like do funky sprinkles. Do like, you know, they've got that like edible uh, glitter shit that you could put on. But then Some get green tiny frosting. Little, yeah. Put like a parasaurolophus. Uh, yes. I have a five-year-old too. Like a ring, yeah. like a ring pop Just a tiny dinosaur. A, and then yeah. they are dinosaur cupcakes without sure any are. of the artisan uh, late night. I love this. I'm definitely doing it. Something Thank like you that. Thank you for that. Know? Well, what if also, hot take, what if also... To support a small business, you just oh, buy like two nice of, of the really fancy ones, and then you fill with fill. Have you ever been to a child's birthday? Yeah. Whatever you buy, you need to buy the number of children that are there, and then maybe two additionals you know because what, things will get broken. They gotta learn. They gotta it's learn. True. They gotta learn sometimes. You know, life isn't fair, and that's the lesson at five that I think you should impart on your children. Life isn't fair. Never really gets the fucking dinosaur cupcake. It's gonna be Hunger Games. It's gonna be filled with tears. I'm gonna bath. have to. I'm gonna spend all day cleaning up. The blood afterward <laughs> and the vomit. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, we didn't get your we didn't get your crime. Oh, mine. Yeah. Do we do yeah. crime and rom at rom and crime at the same time? There's no rules. Do whatever yeah. you want. We, yeah, we're real loose. We're loosey goosey. The rules are there ain't no rules. I was gonna say. I guess my crime, uh, mosquitoes. Are you guys dealing with that at all? They suck here. It's over. Oh, that's right. You guys are... I miss New York. It's cool. It's really beautiful here. Although... Lantern flies is, is the crime. Quinn has been calling me, telling me she's been she's been personally taking the lantern flies... Um, to task. Like, a, it's a personal offense to you. I don't know what this is. It What's was in a, the paper. They're oh. invasive. And basically, it was this article that said, if you see this, kill it. Oh. And it was like... People are 
running around New York squashing them <laughs> where you cannot walk down a sidewalk without finding one dead and they're really striking looking. They've got like some red and some dots. So you really notice them. They, they're they beautiful. They're, they are really pretty. Oh but they're also really bad news, really invasive. And, and they kill crops. My limited understanding is they kill crops, which I tried to explain to Carrie this morning. And she was like, they, <laughs> they kill crocs? <laughs> <laughs> If it killed Crocs, it would be my dream bug. And Quinn was like, no, that would be my favorite bug if it killed Crocs. She's like, no. And then she goes, no, with a P. And I go, they killed props? Theater is over. And she was like, no. Theater is dead. These lantern flies are menace to society. And then she said, Hamlet will never happen again. And then she said, no, crops. And I said, ah, yes. I was gone for two weeks. (laughs) I was gone for two weeks in Korea. I come back. There's a new invasive species I have to be on the lookout for. I don't know what the heck is going on over here, but I was walking and I looked down and I was like, what a beautiful insect that is dead. I'm not like a bug person. I want to be very clear, but they're gorgeous. They have like these red, like bright red wings with dots and they're big. So they're really striking looking. Gotta kill them all. Yeah. But also they're like a good target. So yeah, gotta kill them all. I hadn't heard of that. The lantern fly. Terrifying. So the crime is the mosquitoes. I've just been getting attacked on a daily basis. And it's the worst. Ugh. I'll go my rom crime. Please. Um, I will say my rom for the week is it is fall, y'all. It is yes. like crisp. It is like I walked out. It was like 50 degrees. I was wearing layers. I wore a hat. It felt amazing. Um, mm. I'm also single, which will lead <laughs> me into my crime. Of the week, <laughs> which was I'm on the old... Hinge, no brags. And um, there was a gentleman on there that was messaging me, and he wrote like a nice thing to me. And he had a mustache in one of his pictures, you know, my type. And I said, Love the stash. And I was like, Are you still rocking the stash? And he was like, Yeah, it was a summer only thing. Like, let's, uh, we'll continue it on, blah, blah, blah. And so I go, Oh, the reviews must have been good that you've gotten an extension and then he just wrote back um yeah it's it's continuing on in the fall also looking for a ride question mark oh that is a crime that is a crime okay two conversations that is a crime and i was with quinn when this happened and um quinn was like you should write him back so i wrote him back oh man I'm just so disappointed. You really, like, I was really excited and you went there and really fast. And then he unmatched me, which we're not surprised. But I did get my licks in where it was like, come on, man, do better. better. Just do better. And that's what I like. I like instead of telling someone off to just be like, I'm disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. Like two of the best insults. I'm disappointed in you. Also, my favorite, this is boring. I'm bored. <laughs> Like to tell a man mm-hmm. this is boring. I think nothing is nothing is stronger, succinct, clear. Soul crushing. I love it. I love this is that. Boring. That's amazing. It's soul crushing. So that's my crime that I'm going to inflict on someone later. Just call I them think boring. For my crime, I think I could have used some of your um, advice there. So for my <laughs> rom, I my rom is that okay. So I have a degree in theater. Specifically, I have a degree in costume design. <laughs> Okay, so I never I did it a little bit when we first moved to New York in like 2003. I did it. I did a couple movies. I did, you know, like indie films and I did some dance. uh, And guess what? It's hard. (laughs) 
it's too hard for me. It was too many. Like, honestly, I just was like, oh, wow, you really got to love this. And I didn't love it enough. But I do love sewing. I love theater. I love I literally learned history Mm -hmm. through costume in college. I'm like, oh, I didn't. That's why they wore that. But anyway. I have two kids. I have a just newly five-year-old and a newly nine-year-old, and they've never let me make their goddamn Halloween costumes. That's where you Rude. force. That's where you force exactly. yourself on. <laughs> but I, but I've done, and then they cry, and it's like I hate. You. I'm like I hate you, and they're like we don't want to wear it, and I'm like I regret my decisions to have children. <laughs> but anyways, this year. My rom is that they really want me to make their costumes, and we've I've sketched it out. We're going to the fabric store this week. It's just I'm so gosh darn excited. What are they gonna be? So my son's gonna be a, a spider, and we're gonna make all the arms that are linked to his arms, and then he, we're gonna you know spirit gum some Eyeballs. other uh, you know eyes on his head. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then he wants to have a orange oh, mohawk. Amazing. I'm like sure, whatever. Okay, we'll figure that one out. Well, he's a poisonous. He's a poisonous. He is spider. He is. Mm-hmm. He's like, but not too scary. I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. <laughs> I mean, we'll do my. I'll do my best. You're gonna wear if what you I make. Some sparkles, mm-hmm. it's less good scary. Yeah, that's, well, that's the good. science. I could do Add like sparkles. Yeah. And then my daughter, she just wants to be Halloween. <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> She's a woman after my own heart, indecisive, Halloween. and just wants to please everyone. Halloween. I get it. I get it. But I've been watching a lot of Drag Race. And so <gasps> I think I'm just going to go that, you know, like, mm-hmm. what would a drag queen do? So I've done a couple sketches. She's not totally into them, but. And she also wants to wear pants, but I'm like, no. I mean, you can have some pants on, but I'm going to make like a big old skirt. So anyways, that's my rom. I know I talked too long for that one, but I'm just so excited. And my crime is that I, I have a dog. He's I talk, <laughs> he's my crime a lot lately. <laughs> he's, he's half Corgi and half German Shepherd. He's a sweetheart. He's a puppy. He's a pain in the ass. But he needs a lot of and exercise. So I'm walking him. Avrin, this is crazy. I'm walking him on my street. And this woman with two big old oh. Rottweilers like moseys into the middle of the road like obviously she doesn't want my dog to be around her dog i'm like okay so i'm trying to get i'm walking and the woman starts this is like true new york style but this is la and everybody's passive aggressive over here so i don't know what the fuck was happening she starts yelling at me she's like can you walk faster these dogs are gonna blow my back out and all this stuff and i without i feel bad i should have i I feel like I should have come at her with more kindness, but I just like no. hopped into psycho mode and I was like, he can only go as fast as he's walking here. And I was like yelling at her and her and I got in a yelling match and then I was done and I was like, did I just get into a yelling match? In LA? I wished I could have like really been poised and basically said, I'm disappointed in you. And this is boring. Listen, you've had really tough costume clients this week who have just been demanding not scary spiders and you know no dress halloween costumes you know you've been put under a lot of stress and so agreed you 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 know you needed a release you got that release also in new york you would have been made right at home it's you know true. another point in new york at least in yeah. new york they yell they're aggressive it's out there the passive aggression, I don't know if I could do. I just am trying to be less reactive in my life mm, these days. Fair. And I was like, oh, fuck, Vanya. I met her energy. like I felt she. Her energy came at me, and I grabbed it, and I threw it right <laughs> fucking back to her face. It felt good in the moment, didn't it? So. Listen, we can do better next time, but for now, <gasps> forgive yourself. It happened. It's done. I don't know. I think she. I think it's um. You know, in improv, we talk about the rule of yes and, and it sounds like you were doing great. It sounds like you were yes anding her energy. <laughs> Thank you. Yes anding the yelling. Yes anding sure the bitchiness, and yeah. it's just good for you. I would. I would say. Yeah, you stay. You stayed <laughs> in the you. scene. I felt bad. I did. 
Because you know what I thought? I, in reality, I'm like, you know what? She's probably a really sad person. She's like, it's really hard having two dogs. And I'm like, well, why the fuck do you have two dogs? Excuse yeah, my I hate language, to break but, it to you. That was a choice. But she didn't yeah. know till the day she gave birth that they were going to be twins. <laughs> <laughs> She couldn't exactly. separate those siblings. Mm. Uh, then we'd have a parent trap situation, but for Which dogs. Is, let's, <laughs> as soon as we get off this call, Carrie, we've got to option that because that's I really know, good. I was like, you guys need parent to TM that right now. I was going to say, I'll Done. watch that. Pup trap? Owner My trap? My kids would watch the shit out of that. We watch some weird pup thing right now that I'm like, turn it off. Which which pup thing are you hating right now? Is it Bluey? Ooh. People are obsessed oh, with no, Bluey. Oh, no, I love Bluey. Bluey. I love Bluey. People, like, are yeah. living for Bluey. You know why? Because they have a lot of, like, adults. And that dad's hot. And the dad, he's so hot. Bandit is so hot. <laughs> yeah, what is the pup thing that you're watching right now that you hate? Pup something. There's puppies in space. Pupstronauts. <laughs> oh, that would have been good. Pupstronauts. Yeah. Oh my God. Don't tell me you wrote for a pup show. Did 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 me? you write? Oh no, yeah. I don't know. I don't absolutely know. not. I, I'm like I'm just do, someone here. I do parody shows. They're like stay away from our children. <laughs> stay away from the kids. I do a one woman Sex in the City parody. Weirdly, that doesn't translate to uh, dogs. Weirdly, um, that's amazing. By the way, my friend Mike Jensen, he has one of the top Sex in the City podcasts out there. We couldn't help but wonder. <gasps> You guys should collab. We should collab. Yeah, I do a one-woman Sex in the City. uh, I do all six seasons as a one-woman show that I've done since like 2016. It's super fun. Oh my God, I love that. It's a blast. Well, speaking of rom-coms. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Okay, so we've uh, we've tasked these beautiful ladies here to choose a rom com this episode, and they've chosen one that I cannot believe we did haven't done. I, I literally had to go back in our 125 episodes. I'm like, have we really not we done haven't. this? We really haven't done it. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you guys take it away. This uh, rom com is going to inspire our true crime. Ooh, we bring to you. Clueless. <laughs> the motion picture. Clueless, the American classic Clueless, starring Alicia Silverstone as herself, starring Brittany Murphy. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. We love. Starring Paul Rudd. Let's talk about it. He looks the exact same. Gorgeous. It's so weird. Yeah. It's weird, but I've actually shook the man's hand. I have too, actually. That's random. Not me. Wait, I want to know, wait. Tell me, you've shook his hand. Tell me, is there anything that comes to you that is noteworthy about his hand, his skin? Do you remember anything? I feel like my hand was clammy because I was in college and I was excited, mm-hmm. nervous. But I think he had mm-hmm. like, I won't, I, I think his hand was kind of small. But, but he was ooh, also ooh. small because like I'm pretty tall and he's oh. not. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was like, here's my giant hand. Hi, Paul Rudd. I'm so excited to <laughs> here's meet you. Here's my sweating giant hand, <laughs> Paul Rudd. It's Enjoy. a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> um, my recollection is he had the softest hands oh. of anyone I have ever had the pleasure of shaking. It was like near a callus, near a hard day's labor. Like he was just like, he like sleeps in those gloves Ooh. with Vaseline. Like the man's <laughs> hands are soft. To which I thought, that's why he looks so dang good. I bet his skin is just soft. Yeah, he's and just got a full wrinkle. body hand glove that he's in. Yeah, he in. just like fully shimmies into it. <laughs> good for him. He really hasn't aged. It's bizarre. It really is wild. Yeah. But that I think that is the movie that I, I mean, I personally fell in love with him. Also, the soundtrack of Clueless is just amazing. Really great. 
what is it? It's the mid nineties, right? That's where we are. Mm-hmm. Mid nineties, rolling with my oh, homies. The absolute best. We're the kids mm-hmm. in America. You know, we're the kids in America. But that that movie. So as I mean, I'm sure your listeners probably know this movie. <laughs> my assumption is that accurate. Yes, I hope, I hope so. so. They freaking. If you haven't <laughs> seen this movie, stop tape now. Go watch it. Isn't it Emma? I mean, it's. One of the versions of yeah. Emma. Yeah, it's an adaptation of Emma. Mm-hmm. And it starts out with a liposuction death. So what what's not <laughs> like? That's right. <laughs> that's yeah. true. I've never thought of it like that, but it does open I've never, with a yeah, liposuction death. That's not death. my interpretation okay. of mm-hmm. it, but I love it. It's also like, it gives us like all of our favorite tropes. You know, we have makeover montages, which I personally mm-hmm. just love it has you know some early female empowerment it has you know it's giving me legally blonde before legally blonde you know i mean she was negotiating her grades Mm -hmm. up we have a young britney murphy coming in where we have the infamous line what is it you're just a virgin who can't drive that's way harsh ty and her delivery is incredible she's like she's got her attitude now Yes, and she's so cute. She's so darn cute in the movie. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the film. Mm-hmm. Do we need to go? Do you want? Should we go through the whole thing? Should we yeah. like do the plot? If All you right, want here's to, is, we're starting yeah. with the liposuction. <laughs> <laughs> no, like keep keep like fun moments you liked. I mean, any if you want to, you know, to go through any plot plot points, is you're welcome to as well. I definitely remember what I just did a recent watch too, and I was like, oh, they use the r word you know like there's just things from the 90s a little that I'm like, cringy oh, man yeah. i guess we're mm-hmm. a little cringy and it's hard to avoid in those you know 90s late 2000s movies but one thing also that i like dreamed about owning you know we're capitalist society but i i do <laughs> was the was the closet i mean you as a costume designer must have just like yeah freaked out that where she would it was a touch screen before touch screens were a thing. That's how you knew how rich she was. Was not yeah. only that she had an automated closet, was that she had a touch screen. Exactly. Right. To like build her outfits. Like, does this work with that? Mm-hmm. And like swipe yes. until she's got a whole look. That was And a yet dream. still she didn't uh what was it? She's like, I don't trust mirrors. I only take Polaroids. And so she's like <laughs> not actually putting the clothes on. She's just like putting them up against herself and having her buddy like take Polaroids of her so she can pick her out. Well, and that Polaroid film was really expensive. (laughs) I owned a Polaroid and you really had to think about that was not a casual thing. So that really spoke to her wealth. You were like, this woman is just willy nilly taking Polaroids. (laughs) Very true. Just just to like see how a dress looks that she's not even putting on. What I really like about this movie is that the love interest is incest adjacent. Let's say, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot mm-hmm. of young women growing up had uh, stepbrothers or mixed families, um, where someone comes into the picture and you're like, "I just want to marry my stepbrother," and I, I'm yeah. just proud of them that they went for that, that they were like, "And she will, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you will too. You could too, America." Yeah, it's true. It's such a weird kind of uncomfortable thing that they... Okay, yeah, but Cher's 15. Is she? Wait, like, she's 15? Right? She's that... like an adult, right? He's I... like... A... He's Let's let's assume because he can drink, he's right? So he must be 21. And she's 15. Oh my God, there's so and many she's problems. she's 15. So there's oh. some cringiness in that as well. But she seems so much older and mature. 
she had a closet that was automated for Christ's mm-hmm. sake. I mean, yeah. she was a woman. Of yeah, the she world. was working on law stuff with her dad. You I know? love that. I also, you know what? I also do think what's also noteworthy about the film. It's kind of like one of the first examples of like gaydar and what gaydar yeah. is, right? Um, are we allowed to still use the phrase gaydar? Is gaydar allowed? I don't know. I, don't know. I, I can phone a friend. We can right, phone a friend, want. but yeah. But I think what was so noteworthy is she was like with Christian, right? Where she was like, "Wow, this is it." I'm I'm going to make cookies. You know, I'm going to wear a cute outfit, Calvin Klein, whatever. And then it turns out he's just not into her because he's not into women, which again, like in the early 2000s, when was this film made, by the way? Was it? 95. 95? I was six years. I was too young to be watching this movie. But you were. (laughs) This is... I just had like this aha moment of holy shit. This is really formative in my youth. I should not have been watching this. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that explains a lot, actually. I had, I'm had i just having a lot of aha moments personally right now. Um, but yeah, like her her not understanding what he's just not that into you means, which we love. Also, like her getting all of the signals crossed between the guy who she thinks is in, into Ty, but he's actually into her. Also, we have crime in the movie where, you know, it's a, her Cavalli dress. And mm-hmm. she, right, isn't it Cavalli yeah. that she wears? Analia. Mm-hmm. An Aliyah, thank you. I'm so you sorry. You don't understand Ugh, this is an Aliyah. <laughs> <laughs> Which also gives me like Sex in the City mm-hmm. vibes when Carrie was being mm-hmm. was being you know held up uh, in a mugging um, for her baguette. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. moral of the story is it just was like really ahead of its time. Is how I feel. Like I'm actually surprised to learn that it was made in '95 or released in '95. That's shocking yeah. to me. I love some of the lines when she's always negotiating her way out of things, and she's like, "Mr. Hall, I was surfing the crimson wave. I had to haul ass to the ladies." <laughs> I'm just like the crimson. I'm surfing the crimson. I'm gonna start saying that to my <laughs> husband. I'm like, "Sorry, I can't." And I, I just started surfing the crimson wave, and it's a huge wave. <laughs> and isn't that isn't one of her teachers also, one of her teachers is Wallace Shawn is that right oh, that's yeah so great so classic Mr. Hall is Love that Mr. That. Hall it is Mr. Hall yeah. yeah and she does a little matchmaking with the teachers that does work out so she got one thing right in the matchmaking department she messed up with she Ty, loves but. good deeds right but clueless really, everywhere else she loves yeah. good deeds and I also love like the the vernacular I don't know if that's the right word but they almost created a new way of speaking and like turns a phrase that never left like the the zeitgeist like Mm -hmm. you know I don't think people were saying as if or you know like the kind of like very valley girl California teenage but also really grown up way that they spoke yeah like even Ty says like you guys talk like grown ups at some point (laughs) I don't even understand how you guys know all these big words I mean, there's also just like amazing things. Like, um, I have a note from my doctor that I'm not allowed to do any sports with balls flying at my nose, and then they respond, "Well, there goes your social life." Yes, <laughs> jokes that like definitely flew right over my head the first time yes. I watched it. As a six-year-old, I didn't yeah. relate to that, but the older I got, I said, "Aha, mm-hmm. funny, yeah. something for everyone." Also, I think it was very pro-immigration, and I think also like where we're at right now, I'm into it. Like her whole debate about the Statue of Liberty being. You know, give me your oh, tired, yeah. you're hungry, you're poor, you're huddled masses. I don't, I butchered that quote. But um, <laughs> no, where she talks it. about it's her dad's uh, 60th birthday and there were people that weren't invited that came. And what we do, we, what did we do? We made just more room at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm butchering that line. But again, like mm-hmm. really progressive. Mm-hmm. We love to see it in the early, in the mid 90s. Incredible. Mm-hmm. It still holds Absolutely. up. Yeah. I was trying to explain the movie because I had had it on when my daughter got home and she's like, can I watch this with you? And I'm like, 
I no because she's not I don't know I'm like not yet I don't know I just know I, I, I mean I don't know where your parents were when you were watching this Carrie but um no I'm just kidding <laughs> no joke. like to your nine-year-old absolutely not Carrie I was like six joking I had an older sister I don't know I could have also stumbled upon it later um I also feel like she would be fine watching it truly but oh with all the materialisticness of it all I, I like the line where she's talking oh she's with Paul Rudd's character, whatever his name is, I can't remember. And they're like, you know, getting, they're so close when they're watching TV. <laughs> and she's like, you know, I know it sounds mental, but sometimes I have more fun vegging out than going partying. I think it's because my party clothes are so binding. I was like, oh my God. So we're suffering mm-hmm. for people. We should, I don't do no. that. I don't suffer for anybody anymore. <laughs> Except for your I mean, children when you gave birth to them. I well, think there was true. some suffering no. there. No, that's true. But fashion-wise, you know, I don't wear uncomfortable shoes. People can just... What's still crazy, you know, though, is no. that, you know, we still do make ourselves uncomfortable for the clothes, right? It's like that... It feels like a newer idea where it's like the clothes are meant to fit our bodies. Our bodies are not meant to fit the clothes, Right. I mean, but that's something that I think still we struggle with. I mean, I have to go through my closet and you better believe I will be trying for my body to fit some of those clothes versus Mm -hmm. the other way around. I know. I got Spanx to prove it. So that's true. (laughs) It's really sad. I got two Spanx. That's what Kim Kardashian does. She puts two Spanx on. She does put two. And she, well, she puts two skims on. Oh, excuse me. She made her own brand. That's right. You're right. You're right. That was the thing, though, back in the day is like to get that perfect little waist. I think she pretty much just got like plastic surgery to like shrunk. Just took a couple ribs out. I'm not sure. I don't want to be mean. And also maybe. I don't know. Well, she also does sell waist trainers, which are really bad. I mean, I think, you know, when we talk about corseting, you know, I mean, you studied costume. We know that like women's organs were shifted. Their bodies were completely abused. Women, like, even now when women film or when people film these period pieces, they talk about how their ribs are Mm -hmm. permanently bruised. Right, like the Gilded Age. Mm -hmm. Speaking of of bodies, do you remember what um, Dion calls virgins? No. I think she says that the PC term is hymenally challenged. I think you're right. I forgot about pretty that. Good. It's pretty good. Listen, we love the character of Dion, but I got to tell you who the actor playing Dion turned into. So oh, learning. I don't know that yeah. story. Little Wait, who? I don't know. What's her, her, her name? Is Stacy uh, Dash. Dash, yeah. Stacy Dash. Like, she's like a big trumper. Yeah. She's like a, yeah, yeah. And she was How like the mighty a, have fallen. Yeah, she was like yeah. a, a trumper before being a trumper was even like a thing we understood. She's yeah. been like real far far to the right she's far right yeah fox she's like news. fringe right yeah. vibes yeah fox news i think she was on fox news I at think some she point was, yeah nasty yeah and she was Stacey in dash yeah, such a bummer because she was she was Dion. it was a total in the words of clueless it was a total bummer <laughs> total bummer <laughs> even you saying bummer i was like who did that word predate clueless i don't know i don't know either i don't know probably not i know well, that's fabulous. I love this movie, too. I love that the makeover can... What did, what did Dion... That was one of Dion's lines. It's like, Cher's main thrill in life is a makeover. It gives her a sense of control in a world of chaos, which I agree 
And not just a clothing makeover. That's why I watch the shows where they're going to show me an ugly room and then in two, you know, 20 minutes they're going to show me a pretty room. I need it. We need it. mental yeah. health. It's a good yeah. thing. It's a self-care thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> I also remember when they were doing the makeover, they were rinsing out her red hair dye. Yeah. And I remember in the, like, the shot of the water going out in this, like, gorgeous porcelain tub and then Ty, like, whips her hair back and the hair, f- and the water goes flying everywhere. And I can't help, oh, there's like a plane around me. I can't help but feel like, wow, that will be a pain to clean up later. Did anybody else feel that way when they watch it? They said, oh, that's so messy. Stop. (laughs) That's how you know you're a adult. You're like, this is... Don't whip your whip your hair back like that. That's gonna yeah, be because you know that you was know, that was Kool Aid, not hair dye too. So that's you know, gonna be exactly. hard to get out. <laughs> exactly, that's gonna stain towels. And like you know, Cher's not cleaning up. What was her um, housekeeper's name? There was a housekeeper oh, in it. The one where she's like she's speaking Mexican. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> yes. She's like she's from El Salvador. So. She's oh, yeah. oh my god. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So clueless. So clueless. <laughs> we love it. I, yeah. I still say it's the best Emma adaptation. What else is there? What is there besides that? Yeah, I love it. Emma with Emma. Gwyneth. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I did read that Gwyneth Paltrow was considered for that role, which... As if. As if. For share? That's yeah. what I say to that. <laughs> Reese was too. And then Reese went on to do Legally Blonde, which is such a... Legally uh, Blonde. Very similar. Very similar. But the innocence of Alicia is yes. so, was so necessary. She had this like... I don't know, but so did but so did Brittany mm-hmm. Murphy. This like innocence to be in like this kind of like genre. What is the genre of Clueless? Is it like because it's kind of parody in a way, but it's, it's but not. It's very it's like light. It's like a it's satir. like a teen rom com adaptation mm-hmm. of Emma. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Would would I call it? I mean, I know this is rom crime, but would you call it a rom com? I know, or right? would you? I would call it maybe more of a chick flick. Yeah, yeah, that's probably But I true. also like, you know, it's like that, um, it's the legally blonde of it all, right? Where it's like, we're not going to make the central focus of this a partnership, right? It's going to be about like female growth, empowerment, but also like we can't get away with not having a romantic. So let's just have her date her stepbrother, right? It's <laughs> like a little bit like, let's just throw that in there casually. Because I don't know, I mean, I don't know the the actual Jane Austen book, Emma, Um does she get with her stepbrother? Is that in the in the actual book? Great query. I mean, I feel like that probably would justify their choice a little more. What if what if she doesn't in the book and the and the, let's have, like, her let's have this happen? Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Let's yeah. stepbrother. I mean, they're not related by blood, so I think it's probably it's cousins. It's probably cousins in Emma, the original one, which is worse than step siblings. You know what? When you're right, you're right. <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> <laughs> well, Avrin, do you want to take us on the journey of what we chose? Of course. I'm sure you guys can maybe guess, but, I, but I'll let Avrin go. So I always kind of walk Vanya through some of the thoughts I had before I settled on a crime. Mm-hmm. So initially I was like, okay, I wonder if like step siblings turned lovers have ever committed a crime. They have. I actually found a story about a guy named David Marmolejo and his stepsister slash girlfriend, Mariah Wilson. So he murdered his mom and then he kind of forced Um. her to like help him cover it up and clean everything up. So that story actually exists in the world. So I like put that in my back pocket and I was like, maybe that's the one. And then I thought at, at its core, this is about a bunch of like super rich 
teenagers just kind of like running wild, you know, not stopping at stop signs. She totally paused, but she didn't stop. And so I was looking into like Beverly Hills teen teens who committed crimes. I found some like really sad ones about just, you know, like hitting people with cars on, you know, by speeding and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm not going to go that direction. However, I feel like when you think about Clueless and you think about the iconic like characters, obviously Ty is one of the greatest. And I thought, of course, we have to we have to talk about the mysterious and tragic death of Brittany. Excellent. Murphy. So that's what we're gonna do. Today. Well chosen. That's <gasps> oh, what we're gonna yay. do today. It's well chosen. We we talked about it and secretly we hoped that was the choice. <laughs> All our dreams are coming true. I love these kind of things too. It's yeah. our dream come true. Have you guys seen any uh, the documentary on HBO? The what happened, Brittany Murphy? Yes, I actually we we covered it in one of our pa- like a while back. Oh. So it's going to be like it's all coming back to us now. Good. Oh, I'm so, I'm yes. actually so happy to hear that because obviously it's more fun when it's a conversation instead of me just telling you a story. So please like pipe in with anything that you remember from you guys covering this and any thoughts mm-hmm. you guys have. But all oh, right, so many thoughts. I so, can't wait. I know. I can't. It's it's really tragic. That's what I was left with. It's yeah. Like, I think. The simplest explanation is probably the truest, but also it's it's so sad and so tragic it's, and it so also unnecessary. It's so mysterious too. But it like is. there's so much we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's really gives me the heebie jeebies. All right, so here we go. It's Sunday, December twentieth, two thousand nine, at eight oh five AM when a frantic nine one one call comes in from a residence at eighteen ninety five Rising Glen Road in the Hollywood Hills. And the woman on the phone says someone has collapsed and is unconscious. And then the dispatcher's like, sorry, what, who? And she's like, my daughter. Just right out the gate, that caught my attention, that her mom said, someone has collapsed, instead of my daughter has collapsed, or, you know, Brittany has collapsed. Um, So basically, the dispatcher tries to walk her through CPR, but she's hysterical. And then you hear a man's voice kind of enter the room and he begins CPR, but he's not doing it fast enough, according to the 911 dispatch guy, who is a little bit rude. He tells her to calm down, I think, or like, don't yell. And it's like, this is 911. What's your emergency? I feel like yelling is probably a a constant, right? From the people calling in. Here's totally but at the same time earlier that day they were two dobermans that he had to walk and he had to go in the middle of the street because there was a quartering term of shepherd you're right come with kindness and so you don't know you don't know he was hot you don't know he was hot it was was it was a lot making costumes for halloween it was just a lot he had a lot you're right and i won't judge him i I walk all that we don't know he was having a rough day too it was eight o'clock on a sunday morning it was probably like the end of his shift all right so paramedics do arrive They take over and they do detect like a faint pulse. So they rush Brittany to the hospital. But unfortunately, it was too late. So at 10 a.m. on December 20th, 2009, 32-year-old Brittany Murphy was pronounced dead. Now, L.A. coroner Ed Winters, who according to himself in both documentaries that I watched, is the guy who handles all the high-profile celebrity deaths. So he was the coroner for Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston. And he's immediately sent to 1895 Rising Glen Road to begin his investigation. Now, one of the first things that he notices is that there is like, we'll go with the term insane amount of prescription pill bottles on the bedside tables. All in all, after they go through everything, there are 90, like nine zero, Jesus. 90 different 
bottles of prescription pills, like on the bedside table. Um, he uh, Ed Winters then asks Brittany's husband, Simon Monjack, and her mother, Sharon, all three who live together in this home, uh, to kind of explain the events leading up to Brittany's death. Yeah, we could also pause there. So we have... The Simon of it all, too. Like, we'd be remiss to not make note of, like... There were a lot of sort of like warning signs before they got married. Mm-hmm. Like he did isolate her, I think, from her family and friends. Like 100%. there, there are some like, there are some like major red flags in that, which I'm sure you will get into later. Yeah. And also, it's you know a little unusual, I think, for like a, a woman and a man in their 30s who are new, like not newly married at this point, but only a couple of years in, and they're still like her mom's still living with them. It's not like they couldn't afford to get her her own place. So there's probably some codependency going on there as well. But Ed basically asked them to kind of just like explain the events that have that led up to this moment. And so they tell him that they had all been feeling sick with flu-like symptoms, but Brittany had actually been feeling sick for much longer than Simon or Sharon had. Uh, She'd actually started to feel sick two weeks earlier while in Puerto Rico on a film shoot, a film shoot that she was fired from. So they all went home early, but she had actually started to feel sick like two weeks earlier. Um, let's see where I lost my thing. Okay, so while talking, um, while Ed is like questioning Simon and Sharon, he explains that hopefully after the autopsy, he will know more. And Simon immediately is like, no, no, no autopsy. So Ed Winters, the coroner, is like, uh, yes. Autopsy. Let's rush the autopsy. We're going That's down. not a normal. <laughs> He's like, response. unless unless yeah. you can uh, prove that you're against the autopsy for religious reasons, or you come up with a court order. Uh, yeah, we're doing an autopsy. That's my job. That's why they send me into these high profile cases. You know, when it's a 32 year old woman yes. who dies suddenly, there is no option but an autopsy. Of course. There is no question but an autopsy. And why would you not want one? Why would you not want to know? How I think this we all happened? know the why. I think we do. Too. I think we know the why. <laughs> Just a little. So now, this all happened in 2009, which I don't know if you all remember this well, but it's kind of like the height of like the icky paparazzi and the mean celebrity bloggers like Perez Hilton. And so the news of uh, Britney's death it garners tons of headlines, and because there is no like results yet from said autopsy that's being performed. A lot of people assume that she had maybe overdosed. And this was kind of based on recent erratic behavior. And obviously her career had kind of sharply declined. But many people also noted that the change in Brittany Murphy all led straight back to Simon Monjack. And could it be he who is responsible for her death? Now, Brittany did meet Simon uh, briefly at a photo shoot when she was just 17 years old, but it was only Ugh. after meeting him in 2006 to discuss a script that he wrote. I don't know if he actually wrote it. That comes up a bunch. Um, that Brittany and Simon began dating. Now, many people in Hollywood knew of Simon Monjack, and they knew that he was bad news. So he was a con man. He was a liar. Yeah, horrible, horrible person. He told people he had cancer and he was solving it with shark cartilage. I mean, he's off the deep end. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah. And then he was like a a billionaire who was going to inherit a steel mill. Because, you know, those steel mills, billionaires. Um, Okay. So at at one point, he did have a steel mill, except it was S-T-E-A-L and not (laughs) S-T-E-E-L. You know what I mean? So (laughs) true. Accurate. So at one point, this makes me so sad. Britney's friends actually staged an intervention 
to explain to her exactly who this man was, what they knew about him, that they knew he was shady, that they knew he was potentially dangerous. Uh, but she didn't, she wouldn't listen. She chose Simon and she said that he was her soul. He was her soulmate. And so after four months of dating, instead of listening to her friends who are begging her not to get involved with him, she marries him instead. And they have a super small private ceremony. Because nobody's going to support them. So they have to have a small ceremony. Well, also, he he's her agent, isn't he? He's her agent. He's her manager. He does her makeup. Like, she doesn't yeah. even have staff yeah. anymore. That's the craziest. I can't believe he does her makeup. That I did watch the documentary, too, and I was like, what the actual hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's interesting. And I don't re- I can't remember specifically, like, when within if it was like pre-marriage that he took over those roles or if it was post-marriage that he took over that role. Uh, but yeah, at some point, once they get together, her whole team ends up getting fired. And yeah, he's agent, manager, lawyer, makeup artist, costume designer. It's so scary because he just like weasels his way into taking complete control of her life. Yes. And she's isolated more than ever. And also like, again, it's 2009 and we know that this is like the height of all of the paparazzis, as you said, but like also like her weight was something that people were really concerned about because mm-hmm. she was losing and at a pretty fast pace. It seems like what happened is an agent of hers said to her at one point um, something like, you're huggable but not fuckable. That's right. And it like mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. get that like one line messed it, with her head on a level where she was she was not eating. Right. Yeah, and how she old was, like, was she? How old was she when she did Clueless? She was seventeen when she filmed Clueless. She was seventeen, and that like skyrocketed her to notoriety. I mean, she had she had work before then, but that was like what launched her career in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, can you imagine as a seventeen year old someone saying that to you, and that and that just living in you? Right. I mean, I can't. And I think like you know, someone like that. This is conjecture. This is, but it's like, at seventeen, to be launched into fame, one is a traumatic event. To be a child and do this, and to not have a supportive network of people behind her, and then this guy finds her, and he mm-hmm. says all the right things, and he isolates her in all the right ways. It's like she is a victim of the industry. She's a victim of the paparazzi. She's just like a victim mm-hmm. of the society that mm-hmm. that made her famous in a lot of ways too. Oh, it's so sad. It's so sad. And also, yeah, like a a, a predator. Mm-hmm. knows what they're looking for, you know, and knows Ugh, the type of was, person. she had a target mm-hmm. on her back. Yeah, and she wanted, she so badly wanted love. You know, she'd had a string of relationships, um, two, I guess, f- failed engagements before him. Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher, Eminem, you mm-hmm. know, she, so she just, she really wanted love in her life and he clearly could see how easily I think he could take control. And so and I, he and swooped I in. Know- and I want to know too is like when people talk about her and she was such a talent like she really was so talented and people talk about how bright she was and how smart and how like just the potential that she had and to see like the industry that she worked in just crush her Mm. oh it's so sad but you know what actually this is so I just read the book have you guys read 
I'm glad my mom died. No, but I'm dying Jeanette to read McCurdy. it. No pun oh intended. Oh God, it is. Oh, it's really. It's a good read, but it's also like I'm a little bit of one of those people who like I, I feel the pain yeah. of other people, and so I had to like put the book down a couple times because Jesus, this woman got. She was like a child actor. Yeah. She got completely. She was used abu- and abused, abused by her, by her mother. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. And so going into this and doing the like I hadn't seen this documentary before, so I kept thinking about Jeanette McCurdy, and I'm like, God, this industry. Industry is so so messed up for women and for, for like you know children. stage moms children. and children. That's such a thing. I Seventeen, you're a child. You're a child. Absolutely. But actually, the difference is is like in Jeanette McCurdy's situation, her mom was like always wanted to be an actor and like pushed her yeah. into the, to doing it. But in this case, Brittany Murphy was like always wanted to on her yeah, own. Right. Like apparently, so her she was like her mom was a single mom. She moved to New Jersey when she was like two, and she was doing like dance classes and all these things. Like, and then I think she did her first musical when she was nine years old. It's called Really Rosie. But she got interviewed by the news, like the news anchor people, and she had she said something like, "Well." After this, I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to do commercials and then I'm going to go to Los Angeles and I'm going to be an actress in Hollywood and then I'm going to come back and go to and be on Broadway and then I'm going to blah, 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 and I'm going to change the world. And so she was like really like desperately wanted this inside. And I remember being, I was a little kid who wanted to be an actor and I like begged my parents and my mom's a teacher. My dad's a pipe fitter. They're like, you're hilarious. We're not moving to California. Ditto. Go eat yeah. your mac and cheese bun. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you look know. at it and you're like, I, my parents were not stage parents at all, at all, at all. I had to beg them to do it. And I look back and I'm so grateful in so many ways because I'm like, just like the trauma already of being in ballet class when I was in junior high yeah. was like enough for me. Like, I can't imagine then being a part of like mm. public opinion. Ugh, I know. Horrifying. And then even and like, thank God there weren't like smart because I'm a little bit older than you guys. Um, but thank God there's no smartphones back when I was a kid because I did some stupid shit that would be like forever and people could talk about it and and it be it's on be, my it's reputation. Forever. I know. I mean, I, you know, I, the internet sort of came into fruition, I think, in all of our lives, right? I mean, it's like yeah. we really saw the beginning. We saw the beginning of Facebook. We saw the beginning of social media. Like, you have. A nine-year-old or ten, right? She's nine. She's nine. recently nine. Like, you're in like scary territory over there. I mom. know. Like, I know. I don't I know. Trust me. I don't know how you're handling it, but like, God bless, Godspeed, God We're bless. Okay so I don't far, know. But That's it's a it's really a scary world. You just have to really. I mean, honestly, like, I'm glad I had parents that were helpful in my moral compass and. And I hopefully can do the same thing for my mm-hmm. kids. But I'm also like, be a strong woman. If someone hits you, yeah. punch them right back. I'm kidding. But you know, <laughs> someone tried to choke my daughter and I was like, just fucking kick their ass. She's like, mom, I don't want to get in trouble. I'm like, if someone touches your neck, you can do whatever you have to. Some some little girl like tried to choke her and I was like, oh my God, it was horrible. Anyways, that's a whole different story. But think, I'm oh just go back, going back to mothers, Sharon, which is Brittany's mom. She seemed to be more of like, do whatever so 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 Brittany was like let's move I want to move out to LA so she goes with like a chaperone and finally she's like mom please please move out here and so her mom like sells all their shit and basically it seems to me kind of becomes like complacent to her not you know or complacent no does whatever her child wants to do you know and she's like I want to make your dreams come true which is a really nice thing to do but yeah but maybe don't has no idea maybe don't sleep with um your 
dead daughter's yeah. husband. Will, Sorry, oh don't mean to spoil. Right. Yeah, but spoiler I don't know. alert. We will I'm get into little, that. Uh, I, I, I think, you know what? Mm-hmm. Kids need boundaries. And it sounds also like Brittany was an incredibly precocious child. That we do know mm-hmm. um, based on like videos and stuff that we've seen. But it's like she really didn't have anyone like protecting her they need boundaries and and they need parents you know like she needed her mom (laughs) to be a mom not like her cheerleader slash best friend slash soulmate like she needed a mom she needed a mom oh it's so sad Vaughn did you have any more about I know I was going to toss it to you for a little bit about just her earlier career and her but I think you just kind of touched on that but yeah did you know because I because I I was like I love you know being on Broadway would be an amazing thing someday right um, she did Broadway she was uh, Catherine in a view mm-hmm. from the bridge which I thought was really cool so she got to tick that off her list of things like clueless did like you guys said made her a get more roles name. and things yeah. like yeah and so she was getting more things I mean I she was a talent. this was later on there's no doubt that she was a talent. What was that movie that she did where she's like, I'll never tell. Don't, oh, my God. Uh, don't say yes. a word is the movie. Yeah. And she was also in Girl Interrupted. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like she had, I mean, there was so much promise in her. There was, I mean, she was, she was, she was a huge talent, yeah. a huge talent that just like it's it, it reminds me it's not dissimilar to like what happened to amy winehouse like it's like yes, you know it's like i totally thought the same thing it's like it's 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 the world it's like it, what a cruel place that this like beautiful person ended up in and it's like our fault like in 2009 how much money people got for taking pictures how like how people wrote about women specifically and like if she was you know i know there was like talk of drug abuse and you know disordered eating and it's like splashing that on tabloids like what is the end game are you helping anyone no you're making it worse Perez Hilton predicted she would die yeah (laughs) but she did and then she did die and you're right because that's the thing is like we start with an industry saying like you're a little frumpy you're huggable but no one would ever fuck you you need to have blonde hair and lose a bunch of weight and then she complies she goes blonde and she gets super small and then everybody says she's addicted to drugs or that yep. she has um, disordered eating and issues. Eating disorder, yeah. And it's like, well, one, she probably did because you guys told her she wouldn't get to have this career she wanted if she didn't look this certain way. And then the minute she looks that certain way, then you then you tear her down for that. And you're right. What is the end game? Like, what is the what's the goal here other than to just destroy this incredibly bright, like talented young woman? And it just it's absolutely. Yeah, it's a dirty, I know it makes dirty, me sad. Place, it does. But watching that documentary. Perez Hilton seems like remorseful. He has come out and been like, I I was really wrong. I was really wrong. Because it's messed up. And it taught a lot of people just... I think it's crazy that it was only... Well, I guess how long? How many years ago? Fourteen years. So, fourteen years ago, something like that. So it was it was a ways ago. But I, now since we, you know, the industry has been blown up a little bit with the Me Too movement and all all of that, and I feel like. When I was really trying to be an actor, which was in my 20s, which was in 2003 to 2013, basically that 10 year period is it was really, really hard because I never felt like I would, you know, even as a person who never saw any real success. I mean, I did a lot of things, but you know what I mean? Like I never became famous. I was also putting pressure on myself of like. You are deaf, Bonnie. You're not skinny enough. Your nose is too big. Your hair is too curly. You're never going to fit in. There, now there's more roles for people who look a little mystery ethnic, you know, like I do. I don't know. But, totally. you know, it was tough. I think, though, like, I, 
I think the industry is getting better. We are nowhere near where we should be yet. But I also have to just say, like, I'm in, I still feel that way. Like, and I think that that is an effect of like, the 2000s like yeah we could talk about clueless too like the the 90s beauty standard to the 2000s beauty standard i think like seeing women be be reduced to body and image in the media for formative years of my life has had negative impacts on how I feel about my body now. And I think we're seeing it in younger generations with Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, with, with social media. And it's like, you know, you really have to fight hard to, to keep your kids away from that as much as humanly possible. Cause it's like, this happened to a famous woman very publicly, but Mm -hmm. I think like we feel the effects the side, you know, the the shockwaves of that as well. I think I'd be, I'd be wrong to say it didn't have any effect on me. Oh, oh yeah. me too. Yeah. It's like my worth was still to this day. Uh, sadly, that's why I'm in therapy, connected. folks. We love to say it. Therapy, we love yes, great. therapy. Yes. Yeah, therapy no, I mean, rules. for I think for like our generation, it was it was um, it was magazines like women's magazines like Glamour, and it was movies, kind of yes. projecting this specific look. That we all, that kind of, we all strive to have that, right? Because that was like mm-hmm. the image of, like what to what, look like a little yeah, child. But we all actually. wanted to, you know, to be to be happy in life. And then with this younger generation, there's not only the movies and TV and magazines, but then there's the ability the social media on social media like, to like actually create a fake image of yourself, and the pressure to like keep that up. And it, it I mean, I feel like at this point, it's time to. We might need to like, like back up a little bit Can and we be start like, let's from scratch. start over with this whole internet Can we just thing. start over? Yeah, I think we start we over. Start I think we, it's, we, the idea was cool. It's gone. We've crashed the car. Let's, we, let's start we over. We really messed this yeah, up. This hey, isn't, as this a world, isn't, hey, y'all, we really yeah, messed this up. This was not what we meant to have happen, but um, we can start over. So one, just to wrap up Miss Brittany's career a little bit. So I love, so we, I used to do, I used to quote Roger Ebert, any rom-com I did, because I just enjoy, I don't know, I love his little critique. So he says, this is, I think this was for Little Black Book, which I never saw that one. Although I did see Sin City and that was a really cool movie too. She's, you know, Brittany Murphy really was she was a good actress until like the end where it got like real until until Simon controlled her career and and she was on she was a drug addict I think that's kind of what it, okay so but here's what Roger Ebert said about that he says well in the first place I think Brittany Murphy is a great deal more talented than some people do I wouldn't compare her to Marilyn Monroe who is incomparable but she has similar ability she has this, a similar ability to draw our eyes to her segment of the screen even when the action is ostensibly elsewhere she does this she she does this not with sex appeal, but with life force. And I thought that was like oh, very true. I love that. Yeah. With life force. That's what's so sad. And that's the kind of actor you want to watch. Like that's Meryl Streep. Like yeah. fucking, you know, yeah. watching life force. Anyways, it is really sad. And Drew Barrymore goes on to talk about, talk to her and, and something like, um, cause they did riding in cars with boys. R- Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Such a hard one to remember. That was a good movie. She did so many. But, I mean, if um, you actually look at her filmography, she was it's, in. It's extensive. And she it was is. in like some of the, like of the time, some of the best movies that came out. And she was in a lot of them. And she was wonderful in them. And that is what we will see. So as I mentioned, she marries Simon, right? Barely anybody comes. It should be noted that one person in her life, however, thought Simon was pretty awesome. And that was her mom, Sharon. 
she thought he was great. Uh, so she was at their wedding that I guess nobody else went to. All right. So we're we're in that time period, like we were talking about the intense like media scrutiny. And now, you know, everyone's looking at Simon. We've now heard that he didn't want an autopsy, which is, you know, pretty suspicious. And then there's some bizarre behavior, like uh, he and Sharon do a photo shoot together where they like pose in prom type photos with one another holding pictures of Britney. And then they give that, they like, release that to the public. They're like, I feel good and about it's this. Like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, this was so, a good choice. It's like, yeah, they should have hired the publicist way earlier than they did. Like the damage was done. So they're getting a lot of, you know, weird looks and lots of finger pointing and whispering about like, I think something happened with Simon. I think Simon did this. So they decide, um, you know what? We got to get out there and tell people, you know, our our story. So just 35 days after Britney passed away, they go on Larry King. Like a full media tour, like a full, full media, media tour. tour. They also do the Today Show with Matt Lauer, but it's the Larry King interview that I feel like really sticks out because it's 38 minutes of like you want to cover your eyes, you want to like throw things at the TV, you're just cringing and it's so uncomfortable. Larry King, it's why he, you know, was one of the greats at the, these interviews. Even he, you can see like the slight twitch of like, holy shit, I can't believe you just said that. Even though he doesn't actually like outwardly, there's like a, you could see the twitch in his eye where he's like, <gasps> so one of the most, you know, like I guess famous parts of that is that uh, not only does Sharon appear to be clearly on something, pills, booze, both, um, she goes from like, crying to looking like she doesn't know where she is to laughing kind of in a cackly maniacal way at bad jokes that Simon is is telling and then when uh sorry I lost my spot oh it also seems pretty obvious that she's she's following his lead and deferring to him so if Larry asks a question and they both kind of answer at the same time and her answer is not his answer she is like oh what he said oh god and then come some of the things that Simon says. So that's the the uncomfortable, cringeworthy part for Sharon. She's She clearly looks like she's intoxicated and just like totally out of it. And then Simon is asked why he did not want an autopsy. And this is his exact quote. There was this woman who just lost her daughter, this pristine body that was curvy in all the right places and skin like silk. How can I say to her mother, cut her up? And I'm like, how can you say I can't to her mother, this pristine body with curves in all the right places? It's so upsetting. And then weirdly, like in the interim, uh, Sharon's interjecting was like she was in a car accident. I mean, this is crazy. And it's just it's all very uncomfortable and bizarre. And then he makes another gross moment when Larry asks him, what about the suggestion that you're a Svengali? that you were controlling Britney to which Simon chuckles and replies as Svengali, I should be so lucky. And then Sharon starts laughing hysterically. So those are some of the more um, upsetting moments of that interview. And I feel like it just made everything worse. They thought they could go and like turn the story around and make it, you know, Britney was chewed up and spit out by Hollywood. You guys are responsible, which they're not wrong about that. Right. But instead, 
It sounds to me, um, not knowing as much as, I, I know this was Carrie's research lead when she did the story, but just listening to this, like my instinct is that he was a person that was really good at uh, conning people and controlling people, but you have to pick the right people. And usually con artists do. They're, that's part of their talent is that they can find people that are vulnerable enough that they, you know, work slowly and can do more and more. So you see Brittany and you say, I can do that. And then you meet her mom who, you know, we just finished saying this is a mom who her daughter was like, we're going to move here. And she was like, okay, dear. Mm -hmm. So sounds like she'd have been a real, real easy mark. I know she catches a lot of heat on this, but it seems to me that um, she's just a victim of him the same way that Brittany is, where after this death, he was treating her like a puppet and you saying that she's looking for cues tells me that mm -hmm. and i think that somebody that controlled britney then controlled her mom says i'm good at this i can make people believe what i tell them i had secret kids nobody knew about yep. i pretended to be good at all these jobs nobody knew about it now i'm gonna do it to larry king and his viewers and it's hubris where you're like you know what you were good enough to trick them, but it took years, it took time, and it took that individualized selection. Everyone else is looking at you going, no fucking way, man. Yep. No. So accurate. You're absolutely right. And hubris, it'll get you every time. It'll get you. And so they just keep kind of digging themselves into a grave. So they have that horrible interview. And then shortly after that, they have like radar online. They give a tour of the home He's like smoking a cigar, showing them this is the infamous death house. Follow me, you know, and then he like shows the exact spot in the bathroom where she collapsed, shows the bed. It's all just very it's gross. It's like cringe inducing. It also suggests that he's, per, you know, he's trying to maybe profit off her death by taking, you know, maybe being paid to give these kinds of like access interviews. Also, isn't it worth noting that like the the I, I might could be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while, but. Didn't she, she collapsed in the bathroom and like they put her to bed and then they like didn't see her until the next morning. Like she had signs that she was not well the night before. Right, she had collapsed once before. Then they, they had gotten her up and put her in bed. And then when she collapsed again the following morning and she was found in the, sh uh, oh, sorry, in the bathroom on the floor, one thing that they did think was strange that instead of immediately calling 911 or starting CPR because she was unconscious and she didn't appear to be breathing is that they put her in the, sh at the shower and put the cold water on hoping to like kind of shock her I away. mean take her to the hospital take, take her to the, her to the hospital the, the night before when she collapsed um, it just was like yeah like she's collapsed multiple times and I yeah. think the car accident was like she got in a car accident and said she like she got injured in a car accident that's what they were claiming these like pills were for was right, for an that injury was from, right? I think years earlier right years earlier yeah, and, so, and they and using and yeah. the pills also didn't have her name on it she used a fake name yeah on all these medications because she didn't want anyone to know because she was famous mm -hmm. so she went to this like famous pharmacy where you could get other people's names on it so like she shouldn't have been taking this cocktail they didn't know who you know i, I think they do end up finding out that it's they, do they call it an overdose or what do it's they? It's part of it. Yeah. So we, let's like, yeah, we can jump to that. I want to say one thing just because I've had, and sadly, I think everyone we've known has had family members who have had opioid problems. And I know that when that is at the height, you are using aliases. You're going to different pharmacies. When you're, when you're a super addict, you're sadly. So that's when, when I saw that, and even just obviously 90 pill bottles, you're like, 
okay, there's there's a someone's we we see an a, there's addicts right here. Yeah, yeah, that's not normal. Yeah, there's this is a bunch of uh, this is a household where people are abusing prescription drugs for sure, if not other drugs as well. Um, but yeah, so when the he's acting gross, right? And more and more is kind of coming out about him. So it's a well-known fact to those who are in Britney's circle that Simon had isolated her from everyone in her life. Um, at the time of her death, he was her entire team, as we mentioned. Uh, he also was directly responsible for her being fired from several different films by showing up drunk, by getting into like physical altercations with people on set, and then she would defend him instead of asking him to leave, and then she'd get fired. And so under his guidance... This bona fide movie star went from, you know, a box office queen to a direct to video B-lister making like Sharknado type movies. No joke. And it's, you know, and it was all under his guise. It also came out that he had been encouraging her to have plastic surgery, which you can tell towards the end of her career that she had definitely had some noticeable work done on her face. He was always telling her like, your nose needs to be smaller, your lips need to be bigger. And obviously everyone was really, really aware of just like how skinny she'd become. And that had gotten significantly worse while she was married to Simon. Like she had lost a bunch of weight post clueless, but nothing like what we saw after him. So he gives this horrible tour. Um, and it's just, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's tacky. Like he's showing off her clothes. He takes them into the bathroom. He's like, this is the chaise lounge where she collapsed. And then we rolled her off of this onto the floor. It's a doggy. It's a doggy chaise lounge. It's a doggy chaise lounge, which is even awful. But one thing that's kind of interesting about the house is it's, I mean, I don't, it's not necessarily that they're hoarders, but like I've never seen that. It's not clean. It's not clean. There's an entire like living room area that's just all of Britney's clothes on racks. The bathroom counter, I have never seen that many products in my life. And I mean, that's hoarder situation. You know, I and think. so it's just kind of interesting, looked- like the look of this ginormous Hollywood Hills movie star's home. It feels like it's kind of in, in disarray. It feels kind of dirty. It feels like the people inside aren't taking care of themselves or it. And so we get another kind of glimpse into the into the like world that she'd been isolated and kind of stuck inside. And then on February 4th, 2010, the L.A. County coroner releases Brittany Murphy's official cause of death. Now, the primary cause of death is pneumonia with secondary factors of acute anemia and multiple drug intoxication. However, they do note that there are no illegal drugs in her system. It's like a combination of prescription pills and over-the-counter cold medicine. But several of those prescription pills were not prescribed to her, but they were prescribed to Simon. Whether or not that right. meant she was taking his meds or he was giving them to her or how that worked out, th- several of the pills in her system were not prescribed to her, even though she had several types of pills prescribed to her. Um, now, sorry, where did I? I A lost 32 year old dying of pneumonia. It's exactly. just like that's that's the immediate kind of outcry when this comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, People don't understand this. They're like, no, 32-year-old women don't die of pneumonia, especially wealthy 32-year-old women with access to like the best medical care in the world. They don't die of pneumonia. Um, And the coroner, Ed Winters, stated that Brittany's death had been 100% preventable. If she had seen a doctor even just a couple of days earlier, she would have most, most likely survived. They could have put her on, you know like transfusions for her anemia gotten the her. night before when she yeah. first collapsed i bet that would have increased her chances of survival absolutely so while the okay where did i go here 
I already said that. Sorry, I'm jumping a little bit around. Okay, so here's where the story takes a, a turn nobody saw coming. On May 23rd, 2010, another frantic 911 call comes in from the residents at 1895 Rising Glen Road. Once again, it's Sharon. This time, her son-in-law is unconscious and isn't breathing. So paramedics rush to the house, but by the time they get there, Simon has already passed on. So he's pronounced dead at the scene. So our, our uh, high roll in coroner Ed Winters returns for a second time to investigate a strange death in this house. And again, he notices several prescription pill bottles on both nightstands. And on Simon's side, he finds tons of things, some made out to Simon, some made out to Lola, which was Brittany's alias, and then other like male names that were perhaps his aliases. But on the other nightstand, he finds pill bottles with the name Sharon Monjack on the label. Now, Ed asks Sharon, are you, do you sleep in here too with, with Simon? And she's like, we hold each other and cry. But I'd just like to point out that her name was Sharon Murphy. And now her prescription bottle said Sharon Monjack, which is her son-in-law's last name. To be fair, Sharon fully denies this conversation ever happened, that she ever said that, that there were ever pill bottles. She like outright. She probably doesn't remember. She was too high. Probably. But she does deny this. We have to say like she refutes this. Um, But in the document, both documentaries that I watched about this, Ed Winters does say it was clear that two people like the bed was ruffled on both sides. Someone was using that nightstand on the other side. And the pill bottle said Sharon, and then she told him that they uh, comforted each other and just cried because they missed Brittany. So there's that, right? And I think everybody knows what the the, the conspiracy theorists think happened here, or maybe like what just normal people might think when you hear that, like what you're going to presume was going on in that house. Um, and that becomes kind of a cloud over Sharon. So after Simon's death, more revelations of his just shit show of a person-ness came out. Um, <laughs> so Sharon tries to sell jewelry that Simon had given both her and Brittany, um, including a tiara that was meant to be like the breakfast at Tiffany's tiara. And he told her that it was a million dollars worth of diamonds. So she, you know, she's on her own now. And she was just, I think Brittany took care of her. So she's like, I'll just sell this stuff. She has it uh, taken to a jeweler. It's 100% fake, you guys. Oh, he's such a monster. There are no diamonds. And she discovers he is such a monster. And they discover that Simon has spent over $3 million of Britney's money in the three years that they were married. Uh, It also comes to light that some of this money, this $3 million, was being sent to a woman named Elizabeth Ragsdale to pay for her son Elijah's education. Now, Elijah is Simon's secret son that Brittany never knew existed. And in the HBO documentary, Elizabeth actually gives an interview. And I thought it was like, for me, when I watched it, this whole thing is tragic. But when this woman who you just kind of, you're like, oh, it's got a real big like boom moment, you know, and she sits down and she introduces herself. But listening to her tell her story, I was like, this man is a literal monster. And you can see how horribly abused she was by him that how much it's still in like that PTSD from it is still in her so she basically tells the story of her relationship with Simon that they met in Paris in 1998 soon got engaged 
And then one night after Elizabeth had said, no, thanks, baby, I don't feel like doing it tonight. Simon tells her that he just found out that he had terminal spine cancer. (laughs) So she's like, I don't feel like having sex. And he's like, oh, I forgot to mention I went to the doctor today and I'm 100 percent dying. So they they start, you know, crying together and holding each other. And eventually she's like, "Okay, I guess we can have sex. Oh, my God. Because that is literally the kind of man this was, like willing to do whatever it takes, say whatever it takes to get what he wants. And she you can see her understand as she's telling the story. She's like, I I did give in Mm -hmm. after he told me he was dying and convinced me that my husband or my fiance was going to die. He also told her that he was going to go to I wrote Monaco. But then I was like, was it Monaco or was it Morocco? It was an M place where they would do special (laughs) shark fin cancer treatments. I think it's Monaco. So he's going to go there for experimental shark fin therapy. Um, but that this treatment was going to make him sterile. So she needed to get pregnant right now because they weren't going to be able to do it after. Oh, my God. So Elizabeth does become pregnant. Jeez. It's just like a way to get him to tie. It's a way to get him. Yes. It's to an, get her to never leave him. Absolutely. It's just like manipulation tactic. It's like so written out of the book. And I and I do think it's Coercive. important to know that this could happen to anyone. Absolutely. Like I'm always whenever you see these cases, it's always like that would never happen to me. And I think like this guy was very good at what he did. Yeah. He picked the right people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's yeah. just it's so scary. It's so, And you're right. It can happen to anybody because it is, it's done in a way that you don't see it. Like when you look back, like hindsight is 2020 for a reason. When we're in the mm-hmm. moment, this is a woman whose fiance might die. And even if he doesn't, this cancer treatment will make it impossible for them to ever have a family. So it makes perfect sense in her mind that they should rush that aspect in totally. the moment. But it's just, it's such, it's so much gaslighting and manipulation. And so now they're in Monaco, right? She's pregnant. She's not feeling good. She's having like a rough first trimester. She's always alone. She asks she can invite friends or family to like come keep her company. He's like, no, I don't want people here for this. I don't want them to see me like this. So she's isolated while he's out getting his treatments all day long. But one of her friends, who's like one of those friends I hope everybody has, is like, nah, bitch, I'm showing up. Like, we haven't We're heard leaving. from you. You, Pack. you know, We're leaving. Yeah. So she just shows up. She's like, hi, I know you said, uh, you didn't want anyone to come visit, but I want to see my girl. And the minute she sees Elizabeth, she's like, oh, my God, what is wrong? Are you OK? She looks she's so skinny. She's got circles under her eyes. She's she's pregnant, you guys. And she's clearly really ill. And this friend refuses to leave until Simon with her like leaves this villa and takes her to a doctor. She will not leave. So. They get her to the doctor and she gets the treatment that she needs. But she believes that had her friend not shown up, she probably would have died in that villa because she would have never taken her to get medical help. So after she gets, you know, she's sick and she gets treatment, they decide that she should fly back to New York so she can be closer to her family while Simon finishes his cancer treatments. He buys her a plane ticket. She flies to New York. She goes home to her studio. She calls him on the phone. She says, hi, Simon. I made it to knit. And he hangs up the phone. And she's like, oh, weird. Calls him back. Calls him back calls him back, calls him back. He literally never talks to her again. Ghosts her. She calls his mom. He knows he's lost her. He knows he lost control. And so he can't, he can't rehash that relationship. He has to call it quits immediately. Yep. He lost control. Her friend, you know, came in, got in the middle of it. Yeah. And so he ghosts her though. And she's pregnant. She calls his mother. His mom is like, 
I'm very upset with him. He stole money from me to pay for this weird cancer thing that he doesn't even have. His own mother told her that. That's what Elizabeth says. His mother denies all of that. Um, But he did reach out to her again after he and Brittany got engaged. And he said, like, hey, I'm going to be doing really well financially now, and I'd love to contribute to Elijah's education, which is basically like, keep your effing mouth shut. I will give you money, but don't now that I'm going to be more like of a public figure, don't you come out of the woodwork telling people you have my child. So we learn all of that after He's a bad yeah, guy. after Simon He's a has bad died. Guy. I'm getting that feeling. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that yeah, vibe. I think I am. Yeah, the vibe like, is yeah. clear and the vibe is bad. <laughs> he definitely has the eyebrows for it, like the villain eyebrows. Yes. Uh, for sure. All right. So then the coroner releases Simon's cause of death, which is pneumonia and acute anemia. Like the identical the exact causes of same death. same cause of death. At, he had the anemia uh-huh. as well? Yep. His uh, primary cause of death oh, was I knew. pneumonia and acute anemia. So the, the internet. The same as Britney's. Like exact. The only <laughs> thing not in his was the multiple drug intoxication, which should be noted was added later by the coroner. It was not in the initial. And this was report. six months after, right? Like yeah. it was yeah. quick. Mm-hmm. It was quickly, but also far enough apart that it was weird that he died of the exact same causes. So of course now the internet and conspiracy theorists are, are going nuts. They're like, how can a husband and wife both die from the exact same things, but like several months apart, is there something in the house that like that did this? That like is it made mold? them Ill? is it mold? Now Simon's mother Simon's mother, Linda Monjack, who is the I wrote who is the worst best example of an enabler. Well, no, Sharon, isn't it Sharon Murphy? And then Linda Monjack is his is that his mother. That's his mom. So Simon's yeah. mother, Linda, who is the worst best example of an enabler. I don't know what that means, but that's what I wrote. Well, she the fact is, is she right. doesn't say anything. She knows her son is lying about the cancer treatment. She's giving him money. She's taking out. That's the example of the yeah. worst best she, enabler. Uh, yeah. like, she's literally funding his, his lies. lies. Yeah, and, and then giving lying credence to, to these women him. he's dating. You know, mm-hmm. if his if his family's helping them, well, who am I to say he's lying? Yeah. And so she believes, so does Sharon at this point in time, but she, uh, Linda believes it was the mold in the house that made them both sick because she remembers seeing mold on the walls, like in the ceilings when she visited, they did actually find black mold in their home after mm-hmm. these like allegations kind of came out. But the LA coroner insists that the presence of spores would have been very obvious and visible during an autopsy and neither Brittany or Simon had the presence of mold spores in their like bloodstreams or in their tissue or in their hair or anything like that. So mm-hmm. they basically immediately rule out the possibility that mold is to blame. I had a apartment in uh, Brooklyn once and I swear I thought I had mold in my lungs, but I didn't. It was just, that's always but a fun game in Brooklyn. Is it just like, old or is it mold? It's yeah, old. It's mold. a game to show it. that we play. Um, and I play it every day, but it's good. It's good. It keeps you on your toes. It's it like, does. <laughs> is this mold or is this just old? It's a great, I'm pitching that to networks is what I I'm trying it. to do. I will watch the shit out of that show. <laughs> okay, so enter stage left Angelo Bertolotti now this is Britney's dad slash ex-mob guy who <laughs> yes a life of organized crime a li- like an admitted got. mafia man like he when he's introduced into the documentaries he talks about how he met Sharon when he was running nightclubs for the mafia in Florida she worked there she loved the glamour and the glitz they get married they have a baby she kind of wants him not to do that anymore and he's like Nah, you knew who I was when you married me. So he basically admits 
didn't really pay attention to the marriage or the kid. Just like to bring it back to Clueless, you can't change a man. Okay, that's just like mm. what we're going to talk about really mm-hmm. quick. Like, let that be the mm. lesson. You cannot change a man. You if he is who he is, then that's what it is. Yeah. What do they say? Like when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's them. And you cannot change a man. That's so true. So Angelo comes forward at this point. He strongly believes that there was foul play. He believes that Brittany was poisoned because in his research on occasion, when um, acute anemia was listed as the cause of death, it was a result of arsenic poisoning that led to the acute anemia that led to death. So he thinks that Simon and Sharon poisoned Brittany and then Sharon poisoned Simon when she basically found out that he spent all their money, left them with nothing and was a big, bad, awful human being. That's Angelo's thoughts. So his theory actually gains like legit traction when it comes to light that the coroner's office never tested Britney's hair, which is one of the first places you would test for, I guess, poison, because like you can see how long it's been in your system by how far down your hair follicle it goes. Uh, so after a lot of legal back and forth, Angelo is able to send a sample of Britney's hair to a private lab. He hires uh, Forensic pathologist Dr. Cyril Wecht to help interpret the results when they get them back. And then when they do come back in, Dr. Cyril Wecht is shocked because in her hair sample, they discover 10 different heavy metals and levels well beyond the World Health Organization's like okayed amount of heavy metals allowed to be present on a person or in a person. Uh, and she has on like, or in a person on or in a person. <laughs> I don't know exactly how that. Do, I, they do suggest not to be collapsed um, under heavy metals, but also don't ingest, ingest heavy metals. Right, it's cool. just like a hot tip Neither. from us to you. Thank you so much. So don't get crushed under it. Don't eat it. But it's okay to listen to it. <laughs> yes, it's okay to listen to. <laughs> so after those results come back in, Angelo petitions to have Brittany's body exhumed because the only way to find out for sure if she maybe had had arsenic poisoning, which is why she, the presence of all these heavy metals would be in her hair, is they have to find out if it's actually in her like blood system as well. Mm-hmm. But you need uh, the approval of next of kin to have a body exhumed, and that would be Sharon. And Sharon flat out refuses to do so. Now, part of me, I'm going to argue both sides here. I understand how unbelievably traumatic like exhumation can be on a family like you already laid this person to rest you've been grieving and now they're gonna like dig your daughter back up but I also feel like as a mom and I'm not one so I can't speak as one as a sister who loves you know people fiercely um what if you had the chance to find out that somebody hurt your child or find out exactly what happened to your 32 year old daughter who just died one day like, wouldn't you want to do everything possible to find those answers? And I don't know. But in her mind, in her mind, she already knows what happened. She doesn't have that question mark that needs to be answered. You right. know what I mean? Like, I think, I mean, I don't know her psychology. And of course, I think all of us looking at this from like an aerial view. Yeah. Exhume the body. Let's figure out what happened. But like this woman has been through so much trauma that, right. I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no, and By that's way, why I say so you both, just, both sides. Yeah, because I'm like, yeah. I don't know either. Part of me totally understands why she would not want them to exhume her daughter's body. And also it's been such totally. a, a circus and that would turn it into like just a, a crazy, you know, like shit show of a mess all over again. It would bring everything back up. But it's also I wonder so too, you know, frustrating not to know. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder too if she, she has been able to kind of... Uh, 
I don't want to say feign ignorance, but like be in that comfortably, like ignorance is bliss place. Mm -hmm. And I do think that like finding something out might make her suddenly feel more culpable than she currently does. And that Mm. is really scary. Sure. I think that makes sense, you know, to, to be able to say that she was sick and, you know, she passed away. It was sad, but you know, she had this, this, and this, and it all kind of accumulated, and 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 the result was her death. Rather than finding out that maybe Simon had been poisoning her while she was living with them, and she didn't see it, or you know, that it was yeah, that it was somehow something she was more responsible for than she would be like able to live with. I th- I get that from like a psychology angle for sure. So. Angelo keeps fighting until he starts to to suffer from like poor health. And he passed away in 2019, never getting the answers that he was looking for. But the forensic pathologist, Dr. Cyril Wecht, says actually at this point, this is a conversation we can stop having because too much time has gone by. If we were to exhume her body, we would not be able to collect any evidence anyway because of, you know, just time and decomposition. Like there's no way to test for these things anymore. So... People who still like cry out like we need to exhume the body. He's like, there's there's no evidence left to be uncovered here. For their part, the L.A. County Coroner's Office does maintain that they tested Brittany's skin, blood and organs for everything. You know, they ran like the full. The full like, gamut the of full tests. Gamut of tests. And they found no traces of heavy metals. They explain that the amount present in her hair is likely due to hair dye and other hair products. She was known to change her hair color very frequently probably have it styled all the time and I guess there are little bits of heavy metal in that and after a lifetime of using that on your head you're going to have kind of like a large amount of that in your hair but not in your body just in your hair Um, their conclusion remains to this day that Brittany's death was caused by pneumonia with the secondary factors of the, the multiple drug intoxication and anemia her death was indeed preventable had she seeked medical attention um but that that that's all it is. It was pneumonia that that she didn't have to die from if action had just been taken. Which is also what I I think is probably true. Like the most straightforward. I think it answer. was accidental. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think it was accidental. I think... But I do want to throw out a straight up crazy theory. Please. Ooh. That we love actually a crazy a, theory. A, there is a whole documentary that I didn't get the chance to watch. I came across this too late to actually watch it. But there's a documentary called Top Priority, The Terror Within, which tells the alleged true story of how Brittany Murphy was caught up in a government plot against a national security whistleblower. So Julia Davis, a former Customs and Border Protection agent turned whistleblower, also happened to be a really good friend of Brittany Murphy's. And Brittany was set to testify on Julia's behalf when she, um, in a suit, that she had brought against the United States government for basically like wrongful conviction, um, libel by saying that she, you know, was like a traitor when really she just revealed like illegal things the government was doing. But Brittany actually died before she was able to testify in this trial. And the only thing... Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) But the only thing that I felt like gave this just like a little twinge, also who doesn't love a fun conspiracy theory, as long as we're smart about it, you know, we don't take it to like weird, scary, dangerous places. But um, one of the things in that Radar Online home interview tour, Mm -hmm. um, Amber Ryland, the reporter who's like conducting it, actually does say, and she notes, she's like, 
you guys got a lot of security stuff. Like they've got cameras everywhere, crazy alarm systems. And apparently they always had a security guard on site. And so she, without knowing, I think anything about this like conspiracy that'll come out later is taken aback at the level of security at the home. And so that right. was just a small part of me that was like, did she think the government was out to get her? I don't think that's what I'm happened. sure there was like, I'm sure there was a lot of paranoia because that's also what manipulators do is they tell you everybody's yeah. out to get you and they're the only ones that they then can protect that you. Can keep you safe. Yeah, I, you're right. I Absolutely. also and, and, and also, also drugs. drugs. I also yeah. wanted to add just something interesting about her dad who was like fighting to get this all tested and everything. Or no, this is about her mom. But in 2010, her mom and Simon started the Brittany Murphy Foundation. Did you read about this? Yeah. Which was a charity Mm-mm. organization for kids arts education. And it like supported the USO and cancer research as well. But they didn't have a non-for-profit status, never filed it. So they had to return all of the donations eventually. And like, it's just like, the, like actually... it, it was like money on Feels top sneaky. of it. It's like so. Yeah. They were trying to profit off of her death, which is so it's gross. But didn't he actually, like, when they were going to have her memorial service, like, a contingency of being invited was you had to donate to the foundation. Oh, my God. So interesting. Yeah. And no, so, I didn't know that. But I I mean, it's like he was they were just trying to make as much money because I think when she died accidentally, I think he very much felt like, oh, no, my cash. Yeah. My cash income is mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. And so I think that's why I bet they got like a lot of money from these media tour, like mm-hmm. like the interest around the case he was trying to profit from. Yeah, because yeah, she was no longer there to to bring in any money. And he had spent a great deal of her money thinking mm-hmm. that it was going to keep coming in. And that is the, Sad. yeah, that's the tragic and, you know, definitely mysterious death of Brittany Murphy. Super When mysterious. did that HBO documentary come out? Was it recently? It was right after you covered it, Carrie. That is, because I was like, this is all new. A, a lot of the stuff you said was like a lot of new stuff that because that documentary was not when I covered it, that I was like, oh my God, so interesting. I'm so glad you covered this case. Yeah, it's a two-part documentary. It's really well done. I feel like it does a good job of of mentioning all of the things people talked about. You know, they have these moments where mm-hmm. they actually cut to like people like on TikTok doing makeup things, talking conspiracy oh, so weird about Britney. Um, mm-hmm. So they definitely show that aspect of it. But I do, I think they come to the same conclusion that we did, which is that this is a terrible, tragic accident that could have and should have been prevented. Yeah, and it celebrates, I mean, it celebrates Britney before the downfall. And I also really love the um, intro music. It's it's a really cool song. Yeah, it is. Just when when you watch it. Oh, one thing we didn't talk about is, by the way, I was watching Happy Feet with my kids like two months ago, and I'm like, who the hell is singing that? They're amazing. It is Britney Murphy. I was like, who's that penguin? Yeah. That was the last movie, I think, really before the downfall started. I think Happy Feet was like, I mean, that was a stacked cast. And she yes. she got kicked off of Happy Feet 2, I believe. Oh, that's I so think. sad. Her voice is amazing. What a drag. Yeah, she had that like gorgeous, like raspy, cute voice. Yeah, she, you're just a virgin who can't drive, you know? Rolling with the homies. Poor Britney. I know. <laughs> but it's just so sad. And you're right. There is a lot of people who are who are culpable here. But mostly Simon. Yeah. 
So we always like to end with like, what did we learn? Is it like, what did we learn from the movie? What did we learn from this tragic <laughs> crime? Um, and I would just like to say, I learned that I am not going to let my kids watch any 90 <laughs> chick flicks. And uh, I'm going to make sure they knew ju- no jujitsu. So no coercive control assholes can take over them. I don't know. That's what I learned. Fair. Anybody else? I think the lesson I learned is that we could be better. We can still be better. And it's like we're on the, we got to keep going to the like. Absolutely. We can get to keep going towards improvement to make, you know, next generations, you know, feel Mm -hmm. okay, to feel safe. um, And down with the patriarchy, man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Agreed. I think you're right. (laughs) I think what this pointed out is that we have come a very long way from 2009. a long way to go. But we are nowhere near there. And there's so much fighting to be done. And that is a good lesson to take from this is like, there, we got to change the world to make it a safer, better place so that things like this don't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your team. Yeah. Keep your makeup artist. Don't let your Keep partner your staff, do your makeup. You know? Keep your staff. Yeah. That's a big one for me. Like, uh, one person should be doing the cleaning, a different person so, the cooking, a different person the makeup. You got to get as many people in there as possible if you have the means. Keep your staff. So, Quinn, the question I have for you is based on what you learned, will you be buying the dinosaur cupcakes? <laughs> well... I think maybe I should task grab at them just to get another person in this house. That feels safest. That feels safest because being alone with my son, that sounds dangerous at this point. Mm-hmm. Just you don't know what anyone's up to ever. And I do feel like I I, I don't have uh, life insurance for this reason. I don't want to target on my back. Yes. So that is a pro tip that we really talk about in Truly Darkly Creeply is like, don't get life insurance. Don't. Every time someone gets yeah. a life insurance policy, they end up dead. No one yeah. needs it's to profit off my death. So it's not worth it. Are you guys watching Bad Sisters <laughs> on Apple? No, but I heard it's to so see good. it. It's great. No. Yes. Recommend? I'll watch it. Highly. highly. Okay. Yes. It's okay, so great. good. Okay. Great. Fun. Sorry, that just made me think of it because that's definitely part of the story. <laughs> it's set in Dublin and I love everything <gasps> with an Irish accent. Wait, 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 wait. Is it based on the true crime um, of the of the girls that kill the guy and decapitate his head and bury him in a garden? Uh, no. It's not <laughs> that one. So. What's that well, one? That's another true crime. Listen to episode. That's I don't know what episode. It's There's a bunch of Irish, like, uh, there's Irish <gasps> sisters who kill Ooh, a guy. I love that they were, like, Ireland sisters, and Carrie's like, they're either them or they know them. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> said bad know. sisters. I was like, well, listen. This is really bad. bad sisters. Yeah. And you say Irish, and I was like, I assumed it was crime-related. Well, it's actually I made scripted. a lot of assumptions. It's, yeah, it's a scripted show. Sharon Horgan. Oh, Hogan Horgan. <gasps> I love her so much. Oh, she's in it? Yeah. She can do no wrong for me, just so you know. I'm in, yeah. Yeah, It's so good. I'm in. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thank this you is for crazy. having us. I, I this adore was so you. fun. It was so fun to hang out with you guys. Come visit thank us. Thank you so much for having us. It was such a blast. Listen to their new podcast yes. on Lifetime. Crime of a Lifetime. And if you don't listen to it, just at least give it a nice review. That's really all we're asking. Well, yeah. follow. Come on. Easy yeah. enough. Take Five a stars. Second. Write a little something. I'll do that as soon as we get off because I actually have been listening and I really do. I've enjoyed it so much. The last two-parter that you did about, was it G. Daniel Walker? Shite! Oh, yeah. I'd never heard Isn't of that. that. And that crazy? crazy. is insane. That's another guy. 
Yeah, that, that new... was a story Quinn brought to the table. And oh. Quinn, that one is like, that story just keeps getting crazier it's and crazier wild. and crazier. I just, I'd never heard of it. It could have been, a, I'm telling you, it could have been a six-parter. You got to read this woman's book. It is like okay. the things we didn't even have time to dive into. I was like, this is the wildest story. How have I never heard it? <laughs> All right. What was the book? <laughs> a Death in California. It was that, I mean, it was that interesting to me that I was like, this is a I mean, it involves like the FBI and like secret identities and like kind of, I don't know. It's just check out Crime of a Lifetime. The most recent is this two-part episode and it is so fascinating and wild. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was so nice to meet you. We'll do this again sometime. Yes, absolutely. I hope so. It was such a pleasure. And I'm coming to New York. I want to see your show. Yes, yes. I will send you the dates when they're out and stuff. This sounds awesome. Bye. We love you, Rom Criminal. And we will see you next, next Tuesday. Rom Crime. Thank you for listening to Rom Crime with Avrin and Vanya. Episodes arrive every other Tuesday, so be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all things Rami and crimey. You can also follow us on Instagram at romcrime or email us movie and true crime suggestions at romcrimepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.